Welcome to Step Into Mondays. Je m'appelle Sandrine. Et me llamo Krista. So if you're a um, returning listener, welcome back. We're glad you're back. If you're a new listener, welcome. We're so happy you found us. Either uh, category that you fall in, if you have not yet, make sure you click on the follow button uh, under the show so that you can be informed of new episodes being released because that's important to know. Remind me, what is an interpretive? Okay, so, um, so interpretive is... Right. That's we, well, we kind of think we know how to read in our native language. Mm -hmm. So as I'm teaching them the language, they can apply that and automatically be able to read. And I know I'm guilty of that. Uh, I will say it up front. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying I'm a perfect teacher. I'm guilty. I make plenty of mistakes and plenty of things I'm like I should be doing, but I don't for various reasons. But reading is one that I want to spend time doing with them, but we, we kind of are lacking time a little bit in, in places. Right. Um, well, I can see that.
And it was. Oh, wow. Yes. Right. And them understand that, okay, you are a novice. Yes, you can take a novel and you can read through it and try to patch it through. But at the same time, don't expect to pick up, um, I'm trying to think of a French author and they're all completely running out of my mind. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you cannot take Rousseau and understand anything of what he's talking about because you don't have that level. However, you could take and bond dessinée and be able to patch it through. Right. That say, I do encourage even my novice ones to read longer text and even pick up novels. Mm -hmm. And so this semester or this year I've had, um, and I only had a couple of students that took me up on it, but I have some books in French and I said, you know what, I'll be your library. You can come and check out the books and you can read a chapter, you can read more and then you can see. Mm -hmm. And so one of my students read Harry Potter because mm. I have it in French and she's familiar with it. And so she read it. And then uh, what brought up what it did was it brought an interesting conversation because Harry Potter in French does not have the same place names. Right. So the schools are not called the same way. I noticed that. It's not called that. It was you know, very interesting. Did they keep the same names, though? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they did. It was Hogwarts and Beaubaton and uh, Durmstrang. Okay. They just well, pronounced in French, them, yeah. they changed them. Yes, yeah. I know, because I was them. like, what the heck is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that, that brought in, and it took her a while. I mean, it was probably mid-semester when she came and felt, obviously, they're not going to do that from day one, when all they know is, je m'appelle, comment t'appelles tu, tu es doux. You know, obviously, you got to build a little bit under your belt. So that was about half the semester, and she loves reading. She always has a book in her hands, and then had told me that um, she was sad because she didn't have enough time where she could actually be reading it. So I let her keep it, and she read it through the Christmas break. That was... Um, that was interesting. But I mean, for most students, it's a daunting, daunting task. Right. And, and that's one of the things I try to do, remind them of the reading strategies that they typically have in their own language because so, I remind them do you know every single word when you're reading an article in English and they go no and I said okay are you able to still read through it and they're like yes I'm like okay then what's the problem 
Exactly. <laughs> Isn't it Victor Hugo? Yes, it was. And so they're like, well, we and let's clarify for our listener who the they are, because that's the part we've never talked about, is that Krista and I work together to develop an online course for high school students for French one. Right. Right. You know? And I think, didn't we pull some when we were looking, we're trying, we pulled some from newspapers, we pulled some from Snapchat, mm -hmm. I want to say, mm -hmm. we were screenshots from Snapchat, because that's one thing that I try to remind my students, social media is not just in English, it exists all over the world. So you can find things that interest you in that. And Snapchat is a great one, because it's very few words. And Twitter, another good one. And I don't think we had any week in what we had but that would be another good source to find a few tweets mm. relating to the various things and and it shows them the, the cognates Yep. And actually, as a previous step to that, what I have done, and that's a lesson that I have done multiple times, it's just on the cognates, because I know textbooks will talk about it. And like we've said, mm -hmm. as much as some of us would like to get rid of the textbooks, unfortunately, throwing them out the window has been very difficult. Right. So we're still having to deal with, this, with the textbooks and kind of supplement them, more or less, depending on what we're using. And some of them do a great 
fabulous job with the cognates. And some of them, they just have a little blog that says, hey, cognates are words that look similar in one language and the other. And there you go. Mm -hmm. And they don't necessarily have examples. They don't necessarily have anything else with it. Or they have three examples. And then they don't don't talk about the false cognates either. Um, So uh, and that's one lesson that we had along with that as well on cognates with here are some words in I guess we had them in French. What do you think they would be in English? They're obviously mm-hmm. cognates. And so then we're giving them some in English going, what do you think they would be in French using that same right. principle? So that's kind of the beginning of that to get them thinking along those lines. And then the next step would be, here are some headlines. Look at them and try to predict what is it going to be about? Because now it's pushing the skills. Right. It's and, not just um, recognizing a word and translating it, which is what we want to get them away from. But mm-hmm. it's beyond that. You're recognizing the words. You can um, project. What do you think it's about? Mm-hmm. And if I remember Um, correctly, for that one, we used a hotel and had information about rooms with like dates and location and all of that. Yes. I think that was the Mm -hmm. one, right? Yeah, that would be the next step. So a little bit more information and then targeted questions which those mm-hmm. questions are in English for them to show yes. you what they're understanding as well.
Well, and also we need to remember this is interpretive. It's not the communication. Right. It's not the it's not the interpersonal. At interpersonal, obviously, you would want to answer the question in the target language because then yes. that's the, it's in the interpersonal, right? It's what they would encounter. Mm-hmm. How are they able to answer to that? But this is interpretive. We are assessing their level of comprehension of a text. We're not assessing their level of comprehension of the question because then if we're putting it in the target language, it's more than likely words that they don't understand. They have to understand the question in order to answer it. So if they don't understand the question, obviously they're not going to give us the correct answer because they did not understand what we were looking for. So what are we assessing? The question? or the actual text. So I know exactly. it took me a while to get behind that. And I was like, along that same school going, but, 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 you know, you don't want to break out of the target language because then there is this and, you know, it kind of gets their mind back into the English and this and that. But here we want them to look at a text, be able to understand it. And that's what we're looking for. So, mm-hmm. and they exactly. cannot answer us back in the target language because, if they're novice, even at the intermediate in some cases, they don't have the skills to do it. So right. what are they going to do with it? Well, they're either going to turn to Google Translate to help them come mm-hmm. up with appropriate answer. Because once again, we have asked them for a task that is beyond their uh, capacity. Or mm-hmm. they're going to pull from the text because that's the answer. Right. And I've seen that. I've seen that a lot. I've seen absolutely. So, yeah. So the next step into that lesson, because we're kind of getting sidetracked into the assessment, which will be a different topic, a different recording. Our first step is you're getting them to match the cognates from one language to the other and back. The next step is you find headlines of tweets, um, Snapchats in the target language, just one short sentence that includes cognates and have them work asking them in English, what do you think it's about? How did you know? So that they're able themselves to realize, oh, I was using cognates and putting the cognates into context. This is what I found. Then we go to the bigger picture. And that's a great hook because it mm-hmm. gets them, and if you can, which is even more fabulous if you can figure it out and do it, but the hook, which should be at, not just at the beginning of a unit, but should be at the beginning of every classroom, should get them to wonder about what you're going to do in the class. So if you can find one 
that matches what your topic is, right. then you're definitely picking that interest because your bell ringer becomes your hook, which then goes into the lesson and you have a seamless transition there. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, yeah, so our next step was the bigger picture. So what we did because they were novice was a hotel and then we had them and the questions weren't just when is the reservation going to take take place, but we had how many days is the reservation right. going to last? So then they they would look mm-hmm. and knowing what they knew would look back and find, oh, here is the date when it starts and here is the date when it ends. Therefore, it's so many days and they had to look at that information, which can be a conversation afterwards, right? Like, how did you know how many days? And that's where they can tell you Mm -hmm. where I I noticed that here I used my and that's where you use the prior knowledge, right? To teach them that use your prior knowledge. I knew it was a hotel. So I used my prior knowledge and looked for dates. And I saw that there were the Mm -hmm. dates and I know you would have this starting date and this ending date. what it's saying right Mm -hmm. and in the lesson too that's the part of it where you can have them working on it and let them struggle have them do it let them struggle a little bit with it and then if they're having issues at that point is where you kind of go and ask them what is this about and they can tell you and that conversation would have to be in English and they're going to tell you okay it is a hotel reservation you're like okay great so what do you know about hotel reservations and they can tell you well, we know you should have a price, you should have a location, you should have date. And they can tell you all of that. You're like, okay, you know that information. So where do you find that in this document? Can you find it to mm-hmm. have them realize, oh, that's a strategy that I can use, that prior knowledge, which works great into those type of activities. I try to, yes. And and it's funny because they can't <laughs> do it in their native language. That's yes, the interesting part. And this past semester, actually this past year, because it was in the fall, I had an intro to literature class. And the first skill we worked on was writing a summary. Mm-hmm. I asked them, again, prior knowledge, all of that, because that was part of, uh, I mean, in this case, of the writing. Um, so the presentational, uh-huh. but I told them, I was like, why would it be important to know how to summarize something? And they were like, oh, I don't know. I'm like, well, if you're going to write me a paper, 
about a story, you have to get me into the context of the story. You cannot just mm -hmm. launch into it and expect that I know it, especially if you're not using one from the classroom. So you have to give me a right. summary, but I don't want the whole story. And I don't need you to tell me the ending because then you're going to ruin it for me. So summary right. is a lifelong skill for them to have. So definitely a good one to have them do. Yes. And that's where you see yes. what so your main ideas might be into that, you know, what their understanding is. Yeah, your summary is your elevator pitch. You don't have the whole day. You're not Forrest Gump who can go on for days about shrimp. We don't need to know every exactly. kind of shrimp. We need the nitty-gritty of it. Yeah, I mean, and that will uh, that will activate knowing that information will activate their prior knowledge as well. Mm. So showing them exactly. those headlines and asking what type of reading do you think it's going to be? That's the next mm -hmm. question. So what do you know about that topic? What do you know about this type of writing? Because if it's informational, they will know, oh, it's going to educate me about it. Yes. If it's narrative, it's going to entertain me about this, right? Uh, right? If it's trying to convince me of something, then yeah, more than likely, it's going to try to change my mind. Or if I agree with them, it's going to confirm that. So it's putting that into perspective. So what type of writing do you know you're going to get? And then based on the topic, what do you know about it? If it's talking about hotels, what do you know about hotels? You know, if it's talking about family, what do you know about families? And what would you expect to find? Exactly. exactly. So based mm -hmm. on that, it's putting it in perspective for them and it's, it's putting their mind in the right place. So having those little lessons that are putting those pieces together and they're building blocks, right? We start with one. Oh, absolutely. We add another one and then we add to that and we keep building it up. So it doesn't happen in the course of one day. 
And you can do a whole lesson one day where you have those building blocks, but you still have to start from step one and then keep going and adding a little bit more to it and then doing it regularly. One of the mistakes we tend to do, and I know I've been guilty of it too, we think, oh, they know how to do that in first language. So automatically, they're going to know how to do that in target language. And it's not necessarily true. Some of it, maybe they didn't learn it, like you say, so they're doing it instinctively. Some of it, they have processed so much, they forgot that they learned it. Mm -hmm. And so they Mm -hmm. don't necessarily think along those lines and they get scared. And then just like in any situation when we get scared, we kind of rely on what? Muscle memory or we completely forget everything. And so... Are we, we shut, shut down? down. Yes. I mean, that's a natural response. The shutdown, the flee and what is called the flee and Fli- fight or fight. fight or flight. Right. That's kind of the thing. The fight yeah. or flight uh, reaction. And in most cases, because it's mm-hmm. the it's a foreign language to them, they they're not used to dealing with that. They haven't built the strategies to fight, so they flee. And mm-hmm. what does fleeing looks like? Google Translate. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's the next step. So we've got on the strategies, so the cognate, the the previous knowledge, the, oof, I am just going blank on all of those. <laughs>
because ultimately that's the important thing. I mean, right? that's what they've that's been what taught because to. in math, exactly. two plus two equals four, period. No matter exactly. how you take it, exactly. two plus two equals four. Yes, exactly. And so that's on us as well to help them realize that there are so many different ways to, I mean, I can answer como te llamas with Krista, with soy Krista, mi nombre es Krista, me llamo Krista. I mean, there's, you know, four different ways that I just answered that one question and they're all right. correct. So, so we really have to work with them on guessing meaning in context. Um, first of all, just to get them to take a risk. Yes. <laughs> right. And we, and we know from research that, um, risk takers learn languages. I mean, th they're willing to go out on that limb and they're not afraid to make a mistake. You have to, but I think that's part of, and we'll probably, we'll talk about this in a different one, but creating a classroom community of risk takers, of people who feel comfortable and know that they're not going to be, you know, jumped on by the teacher for making a mistake that, you know, mistakes are how you learn in a language right. class. And so, um, you know, guessing meaning into context. So again, you need to, you know, I have a great article on weddings in Spain. Some of them, I was amazed because it talks about, you know, like the veil. So it was kind of describing the wedding dress and everything. And then it had the velo nupcial or the mantilla or whatever. And they were just like, I don't know. I'm like, think about it. You know, what would you... <laughs> what would you wear? What does a bride wear? You know, and it just like went over their head, just like wedding ring. Cause they were talking about, you know, they wear their wedding ring on this finger, on this hand, yada, yada, yada. And they couldn't figure out what wedding ring was. And I'm like, well, what do you do at a wedding? I mean, it was, and so it, it was a struggle. I didn't expect that. And so, um, you really, really have to do what you're saying is important because I do think sometimes we forget that, you know, we're a lot more experienced than our students. So we've been to plenty of weddings, you and I, but some of them might never have been to a wedding and maybe they don't watch TV or they don't watch rom-coms or anything like that. So they might actually not know what happens to a wedding. So that's where activating that prior knowledge is super important because then you're able to see, okay, based on that, they'll never understand this article, but based on this, they can pull that knowledge from there and make those connections in context. And exactly. with that, so we have to be mindful of that when we're picking our reading, that it's something they would be able to do. Like I was talking about hotels and you would think most high schoolers would have a basic idea of it, but some of it maybe not. I mean, I've seen adults mm -hmm. who have no idea how to plan a trip anywhere outside of their city um, to do it on themselves. I mean, I've actually experienced it with somebody who was like, okay, we need to plan this. And she had no idea how to find a hotel, how to go about doing an online reservation, none of it. It was mind boggling right. to me. But even college students these days do it, do it because parents are doing everything for them. And that's what I Apparently, yeah, that. that's Absolutely. something we have to be mindful of and remember. So as we're picking those texts to help them develop their reading, 
sometimes we do have to be careful with picking something they can understand. Maybe to activate their prior knowledge, maybe we have to send them to watch a few movies in English to learn about that topic so that right. then we can get beyond. Hopefully it's tied to what our unit is doing, where they've seen some, maybe we've shown them in target language some examples. So then you can go back and their their previous knowledge is from what you've shown them, which helps them make those in-context um, links. And something else that I remember um, kind of blew my mind is you know, the, the vocabulary, it, language is always evolving and changing. Mm-hmm. That's true. Um, I mean, it's, it's, it's indisputable. It's changing now as we are teaching. And so um, I remember we were looking at a form um, for to fill out and it said domicilio on it. And I thought, well, you know, that's, that's easy. That's a cognate, right? Domicile. These kids had never heard that word in English. <laughs> and so here I am thinking that they're going to know that because domicile, they never heard that word. So I actually wound up teaching them the word in English <laughs> and Spanish, <laughs> you know, and it was the same thing when um, I was, a, uh, I learned this very early on. Um, I was teaching at the uh, University of Alabama. I was just adjunct and we for whatever reason, I, I guess because, you know, Alabama's mascot is an elephant, we were reading an article about elefantes, right? Elefantes. And it used the word paquiedero. Oh. Okay. And again, <laughs> I'm like, and again, I'm like, well, that's a cognate, you know, a pachyderm. Mm-hmm. Those kids looked at me like I was insane. They did not know what a pachyderm was. And what broke my heart is there's a store in Tuscaloosa called the pachyderm, <laughs> but whatever. And so, um, but, you know, so you also have to keep right. that in mind because especially, I, I guess, especially for uh, maybe us who are a little older to realize, okay, we, this is a cognate, but wow, they may not know that word even in English mm-hmm. anymore because it's not used, you know? Because language is always evolving and changing. So we've got to keep that in mind as well. Well, and some of the links, I know some of them, I make them because I know other languages. I know other things. So I'm able to make that link, but they don't have that experience. And sometimes we forget that, which, and and that's also a completely different um, topic, different episode, but I think it's important for us to regularly put ourselves back into the beginner's position. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what it's in, whether it's picking up another new language, whether it's picking up a different skill. Like I went and did pottery and I'm like, oh, geez, I cannot make anything look good and look at you making it look so good. But then I broke it back down in terms of learning And being, okay, I'm a novice at this. Here is what I should be able to do with that. I should be able to center my clay. And, you know, then that's good. Center it. That's my my novice step, right? And then being able to Mm -hmm. bring it up without collapsing it. That's my intermediate level. So putting ourselves back into that vulnerable, vulnerable. That vulnerable state is important because then it puts it back in perspective regarding our students and being 
go, oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's why you can't get that. Or that's why you can't do that. Right. Exactly. And I'll tell you the last thing that I, um, That's extremely important. Right. What cultural um, definitely... conclusions can you reach based on that? What exactly. are you exactly. that is different? Or the same. Or the same. You know, because we are a lot more alike right. than we are different. But people tend but people tend to focus on Absolutely. differences. But that's where we like <laughs> our lesson that we had on the food that we did for the online class because we started with mm-hmm. food pyramids. Of course, we're dealing with a French course and I ended up pulling from Belgium and as I was looking for one in mm-hmm. English, I actually ended up with Ireland, <laughs> which I did not realize that at the time. And one thing that we always notice with my student is interesting is in the drinking because the Belgium one says to drink water. The Irish one just says drink. <laughs> well, of course it does. It's Irish. And so we always have a conversation and kind of laugh about it. Obviously, I'm dealing with college students and I can talk about drinking in my classroom probably don't recommend it in a high school class because then the students are going to go home and go and say oh miss so-and-so talked about drinking alcohol today uh (laughs) that's not good but that's the that's the other the essential question right what are you taking away from this Mm. what conclusions are we reaching and you're right, we tend to focus on the differences, but let's focus also on the similarities. Yes, and there's there's research out there that shows that if you focus on similarities first, the students have a more positive outlook on the mm-hmm. target culture. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. because then they're like, oh, we're not so different, because difference is seen mm-hmm. as negative in a lot of cases, unfortunately. Being different has a, has a negative connotation to it. You know, you'll say, you'll say, oh, that person, exactly. they're, they're different. Usually mm-hmm. not a good thing where really they have their own personality. But um, yeah, so all of those steps, so to show them, so when they're able to gather the meaning of it, then the, the following step is definitely the what is your takeaway from that. And that's, again, I think why it's so important to at the novice level, especially, and maybe even intermediate low, when you 
let them write that in English. What cultural perspective did they gain from mm -hmm. this reading? Um, because they are not going to have the linguistic skills to produce all of the thoughts that they may be having in their head. Now, of course, when you get up into the higher levels, you want to start saying, okay. And, and I even start, um, you know, when my kids are at novice low, I'm like, write in Spanglish if you need to. It's okay. Write what you can and, and in Spanish. But if there's a thought that you really, really want to share and you can't figure out how to say it in Spanish, mm -hmm. put it in English. I don't, I mean... And, and then, of course, when they get into more of the solid intermediate mid, I am wanting complete right. Spanish. You, you definitely want to, um, to encourage them to think about uh, what, they are, what they've gained from the lesson. Man, I'm exhausted just thinking about all yeah, of this. Yeah, it is a lot. It is a lot. Um, and that's where, like I said earlier, stepping, blo stepping blocks, blocks. So start... Because mm -hmm. that can be a lot for the students, too, as far as taking it all in in one lesson. So start with a lesson on Cognate oh, and then do some target language. And then maybe mm -hmm. the next day or the next meeting, if you don't see them every day or whatever, have them do it with the next step. Some of it could be homework like where they have to do it at home and then you're looking at it all together to see what they came up with. Some of it they can work on as partners. And then if it's in homework, I would say complete, you know, um, why do I have such trouble with that thing? Um, you know, credit, no credit. It's done, you get credit. It's not because it's not about whether right. the answer was right or wrong. It's about the process of it. And then go into the next one and go into the next one. And maybe they're getting different texts every time you have a different step to get to expose them to more content and make them comfortable. Yeah. And exactly. then encourage them to go and do it on their own. Uh, when I had my high school class, one thing that I absolutely love doing is that I built a little library with some books in French. Not all of them were fiction. Some of them were nonfiction. And I tried to find some that maybe because there are versions like there's version of Harry Potter. So I have that and I have a few others along those lines. And then I have some that are completely French. Maybe I had a couple of Bande dessinée in there, some of the comic strip books, because those are cultural. Uh, I had some more advanced readings for the ones who really wanted to get there because they were after that big challenge. And I would tell them, find mm -hmm. a spot around the classroom and read Pick your book and read quietly for five or ten minutes. And I had seen that part of the advice somewhere along the line. And I was like, yes, following it too. And it said, as a teacher, take that time and do some reading as well. Do not use it to catch up on paperwork, to do attendance, to do the lunch count, to do any of that. It's reading time for <laughs> everybody. Because Part of the issue, if they're reading and you're doing something else to them, they're seeing it as busy work. Right. So if they're seeing it as busy work, they're not going to be as invested into it. And then one of the other advice was saying, you don't have to assess. You don't have to test it. So a lot of times in those the tendency is oh, write five words that you learned or ask them specific questions if they're all reading the same thing or something along those lines. 
And so what I would do when I did that, I would ask, oh, is there one big takeaway that you have from this today? And if they want to share, they did. If they mm-hmm. didn't, we moved on and moved on to the next thing. So that's okay. also in the reading strategy is also the next part because it's getting them used to it, to kind of seeing it and regularly bringing back the various techniques. So what technique did you use? What strategy did you use as you were reading that so you understood what was happening to make To build that muscle memory. Because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I still see plenty of students uh, coming into college, getting to higher levels. And um, when I was still teaching in Alabama, I had classes up to the graduate level in French. So, literature classes, basically, some of them were cross listed. And some of those poor students were still trying to translate everything and i'm thinking oh my god how long is that taking you to read because we were easily reading 30 40 50 pages between each class exactly that's why it was a miserable experience for me i can't imagine the time that it takes so going through that and then um that's an important skill to repeat not only throughout the year or the semester but at each level with texts that are appropriate to that level to remind Mm -hmm. them about it So, you know, start with cognates, start with, you know, comprehension questions, background knowledge, all of that. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. So that is strategies to teaching our students how to read, which I know a lot of them seem like, well, duh, I knew that. But our students kind of forget about that. Just like in the conversation, they forget that, oh, if I'm seeing the person, I can do a gesture and they'll know what I'm talking about. We would do as a natural thing, but they kind of forget. So it's always good reminders to make them mindful Mm, of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think the next step, which is not for today, but for something to look forward to is how do we evaluate, and we kind of touched on it today a little bit, but how do we evaluate the interpretive comprehension, be it written, or maybe it oral because and some of the oral skills are pretty much similar the difference being you have to hear it and understand that Uh but yeah so anything you want to add to this any strategies that you thought about last minute that we kind of forgot about or no I just think that it's kind of like what you were saying we may have to do a whole different podcast on this but it's easy to get overwhelmed Mm -hmm when you think about it. So pick one step and work on that step and then pick the next step and work on that step. And it, you know, it may take you a couple of years to get all of your lessons developed the way that you want them because teaching is a process. And um, so, you know, cut yourself some slack. That's our, that's our (laughs) go-to phrase these days. Cut yourself some slack and pick, you know, one of these strategies that perhaps you feel your students are weakest in and work on that particular one. Absolutely. Absolutely. And see how can you incorporate that into what you're already doing in a fairly easy, straightforward way that works for you. So Mm -hmm. maybe doing it in class works for you. Maybe it's something that they can do on their own and they do, but then you're bringing it and just having the conversation in the class. That's fine. Take it and make it yours as far as how does it work in my teaching style? 
Um, but all of those steps are very important. We don't want to toward to to skip any of them, so to say, because they're the whole they're the whole house. We bu- we have the building blocks, but then that's what's putting the house together. And if we're skipping one, then it's making it a little bit weaker. But yeah, don't don't necessarily okay. pick all of those skills and just kind of go, okay, we're going to focus this year. I'm going to focus on working on the reading strategies where they are so good at reading that, you know, that's their thing. And that's where I've, this semester, I was mostly focused on them being able to speak, to be able communicate Mm -hmm. so the reading strategies kind of took a step backwards but as I'm going through I'm thinking how do I keep that level to get them to speak but then add that into it that's one of my next steps right absolutely it all comes together well that said thank you for listening to us or thank you for listening to Step Into Mondays with today's topic of reading strategies so our students can read in the target language without feeling like they have to go to Google Translate. Yeah, that is that. So um, thank you for listening. If you have not yet, make sure you click on the follow button uh, under the show so that you can be informed of new episodes being released. because. That's important to know. So we are on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts and Spotify and Stitcher, which are the main ones. But we're also on Radio Public, Pocket Cast, Overcast, Breaker, Anchor. And we hope you listen. Follow and share with your colleagues.